Psalms 131 through 8, a song of ascents. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Who shall stand? I guess what we're talking about, Psalm 130. Psalm of Ascent, going up by degrees, little at a time, step by step. This is number 11, I guess, in the list. There's four more that follow before you get all 15 of them. But um, starts out pretty low again in the depth. And anybody here ever been down in the depths? I mean, just sort of. Being a man and everything, I don't like to think I've ever been depressed. My wife probably tell you different, but depression is a big thing. I mean, it's nothing to really joke about because a lot of people struggle with being in a deep place and the emotions of that. It uh, and what causes it? Now I, we could ask the resident counselor, but I think we examine the problem to see how the problem is presenting. You know, in life, we want to find out what the issue is and how is it making itself obvious in your life. What's the presenting problem that you... This guy is in the depths. I'm not sure who wrote it. Um, David wrote something. I'll read this to you in Psalm 69. That's a great one if you want to read a messianic psalm. But it starts off with, Save me, O God, from the waters... For the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. Sound familiar? It's in our psalm today, too, having a place to stand. Um, where there's no standing, I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary in my crying. And even in verse 1, it says, I've cried out. So there's a lot of similarities in these psalms, but Psalm 69 is really, I mean, if you want the emotion of almost drowning in the depths of the problem, Psalm 69 is there. And it's why it's such a beautiful psalm related to the cross of Christ. And you'll see that if you read, I, there's like 30-some verses in that psalm, so we're not going to do that tonight. But it's a great one to read, but it does explain... Uh, maybe in a little more detail, the depth of emotion that this presenting problem here has, the pain of the depth, this pain this guy is wrestling with. And I would think one point uh, or one way or another, at some point, every one of us have wrestled with deep things, deep problems and hardships in our lives to the point where it affects our soul in a way that we begin to cry out. Now, who do you cry to if you don't believe in God? Isn't that a sad situation? And people who do not believe in God still cry out. 
they still have pain. They just have no one to cry to. They have no one listening. No one. They have no one. But David in his, when he wrote, he says, I'm weary with my crying. I'm weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. That's the rest of verse 3 and 69. All right, David, you just said you're up to your neck in water and your throat is dry. I mean, take a drink. How? Well, it's a metaphor. He wasn't really in the water. He just felt like that. There was no way to satisfy the problem that he had. Thirst is a huge thing. We all have felt that, I would assume, as well, at one point or another. And we feel the depths of it, and we feel like we're drowning, but yet we're thirsty at the same time. This is weird, isn't it? But that's, that's life. For every one of us, it's life. It really is. Struggling with the hardships and the pain of reality sometimes, and then crying out. But uh, this psalmist had someone to cry to, O Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, Jehovah. He had someone to cry to. And that's, that's what really begins to make all the difference. Because so often we act like we've got it all together and all of our, whatever our problems are, we can just fix it ourselves. We can just solve it ourselves. You know, and we look to other people to do their part to solve it for us or whatever the problem is. But there's a lot of different things that people will run to to try to find a solution to the problem. So say, for example, if it's a financial deal, well, we just borrow some money. That's a great way to get out of debt, isn't it? People do it. Dave Ramsey wouldn't like it, but that's, people do it. I'll just get three more credit cards and I'll be caught up. Things like that. Or relational stuff, family, friends. You know, if, if you were a better friend, I wouldn't be having these problems. That's the way it is. I'd be a much better pastor if you guys were better pew sitters. Or something. I mean, there's all, I mean, we can blame everybody, can't we, for our stuff we're going through? Find a way in relationships to try to not make it my issue. But if we would just deal with it in reality, there is a problem that's presenting. There is a depth. And there is probably some common solutions that are helpful. So I'm not trying to necessarily say that we don't look around for help. But man, if we don't have the Lord in the depths of that struggle, we're in, we're in bigger, a worse spot than we could imagine. And most people don't even know how bad they really have it because they don't have the Lord in their lives. And yet they're, they're still crying. I am weary with crying. My throat is dry. My eyes, eyes fail while I wait for my God. So you have the pain being in the depths, and you have the lament. I had somebody this week sent me a really good little article on lament. Obviously, it was about Psalm 130, and it was kind of what they were talking about. But the lament here is the crying out, isn't it? To be in a place of pain, and you're moved to cry in that pain. When the children of Israel came up out of Egypt, it, when was it? Well, it was when God heard their what? Their cry. He heard their lament, and it got serious enough where they were starting finally, after 400 years, to look to the Lord for some help. 
finally. And he heard their cry. It wasn't that he didn't know they were there. But it's like, who are we trusting down there, guys? Come on. I'm right here. I haven't moved. Well, we get to verse 2, and the psalmist says, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your eyes be attentive to the voice of my supplication, my earnest prayer, basically what it means. So we've had the pain, and we're, we're crying, and in our lament and our hardship, now we're realizing, I need God's help, and I'm, so I'm going to call out to God. And the prayers begin. Now it's really sad, I know none of you have done this, but I have, is that I always wait till I'm really, really in the pits of this thing before I think, oh yeah, I should start talking to God about my life, my pathetic little wafer life that I've got going here. And we wait so long, and instead of, I mean, I think it was McDonald said it, but it's, why don't we just be praying and happy when times are really good and looking to God and lifting up? And, you know, why does it we always have to wait till we've been in the depths of pain and we're lamenting life and we're really sorrowful? But the good news is, in that, is that the hardships of life do tend to bring us to an awareness of our need. Because if we were always successful and on top and running wild and free with good luck or whatever you want to call it, we'd probably never slow down enough to say, Lord, I need you in my life. I don't really need you because I have a lot of money, but I'm just saying that because I read it in the Bible. Uh, you know, it, the hardships, the struggle of it, the lament of it brings us to a really good place where we begin to pray. And we heard that today in the testimony at the retreat from Paul. A guy had open heart surgery and his chest was open for over a week while they were keeping an eye on things. It was like, wow. And he and his wife were, you might say, in pain, in lament, and praying the whole time. It was really a good testimony. And uh, I would dare say, and you guys probably would agree with this, that he's a very thankful man. And his life is different today because of the path that he went through. And if we would be exercised by the truth, by the word of God, by the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, and allow the pain and the lament to bring us to a place of prayer or total dependency upon our God that we might learn and learn. And what would we learn? Verse 3. We might learn that I have no place to stand. I... What gives me the right to walk into the throne room of God Almighty? Lord, I'm here to talk to you about my problems. I'm in my pain. I'm crying out, Oh Lord, here I am. You know, what gives me the right to do that? Especially in the Old Testament. New Testament, we all know what gives us the right. We have a high priest ever interceding for us, made a path, opened the door, Calvary, death, burial, resurrection, all that. We can enter boldly at any time, according to the book of Hebrews. We have a standing with our God because of what's gone on at Calvary. But it is interesting, the psalmist says, you know, if the Lord would keep track, 
I know it's your birthday there, guy, but you're, I saw that. The Lord, he's like that, you know. He's got he's keeping a record on everything we do, isn't he? He's got every little sin written down somewhere. What? I didn't say that. It says he doesn't mark iniquity. And that's in the Old Testament. Like, why doesn't God mark iniquity? Shouldn't in the Old Testament shouldn't he keep record of everything they did wrong? Why would he not do that? There's a one word answer. I think it shows up in this psalm before we get to the end of it. But there is a one-word answer, and it begins with the letter M. What was it? Mercy. Exactly. It, the Lord should keep track of it, but He doesn't. I will show mercy to thousands who love me and keep my commandments. And if you love me, you're keeping my commandments. If you have faith, you're keeping the commandments. How can you break the law if you love God? If you love God and love your neighbor, how can you break the Ten Commandments? I will show mercy. And that's in the Ten Commandments. That's, it's a big Old Testament verse. That God has always been very, very merciful in everything that he has done. And the psalmist who's crying out is learning in his prayer time now because of the pain and the lament and the prayer. He's beginning to learn something about the mercy of God in his life that has allowed him to stand in the presence of the Most High and just let the Lord know what's going on. You can talk about prayer if you want to and talk about all kinds of things and how you pray. And I, I have a knee brace on because I spend so much time praying that my, my right... What? She's shaking her head. No, that's not true. <clears throat> I, it's an old knee. I have a birthday coming too. <laughs> no, but God is so merciful that if we would just talk to him and lighten up about all the hyper-religious stuff about how you go about the program. When I was a kid, we used to have this chain with beads all over it, and that was a thing. That's how we did it. You know, it's wouldn't it be nice? We were talking about Fiddler on the Roof earlier. I love that show mainly because of the way that old Jewish guy talks to God. I mean, he's just walking along, you know. Hey, I know you got something against me, but what do you got against my cow? It's a great show. But he's just talking to God about his life. And wouldn't it be good if we'd realize that we have a standing because of God's mercy, especially in the Old Testament, it's all mercy, but we have this mercy that allows us to stand in his presence and just talk to him about what's going on in life. Call a prayer if you want to, but start talking to God. And go to verse 4, and we find out this. Um, forgiveness and fear. Who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. And in the forgiveness, when he realized that the mercy of God had covered his sins, that the Lord God Almighty, by his mercy, had taken care of his sins. He doesn't know anything about Calvary. This guy doesn't know anything about the resurrection. I mean, 
he might have, if he's read the book, he might have glimpses of some of it that's been written so far, like Psalm 69. But these Old Testament saints, all they knew was trust God, and by his mercy, he'll forgive us. And he said, forgiveness and fear. Um, the word kind of means reverential trust, the word fear. They've come to a place where you're in awe of the God of the universe. You have this uh, ability to stand in awe of him. That's what the word actually means. Who shall stand? Well, people who are, have problems and are lamenting their problems and praying to God and are starting to learn about his forgiveness and his mercy and they're learning this reverential fear trusting they're standing in his presence in awe of everything that he is and wants to do for them and just man what do we have to fear if God is on our side you know I think Paul said something about that in Romans 8, didn't he? You know, just the Lord. The Lord in his mercy is saying, I'm not keeping track of your sins. We probably keep better track of them than he does. And the reason why is because he paid for them all at Calvary. They're gone. That should be very humbling to us. That we have this freedom to be failures, to be human, to live in this place, in the flesh, with a God who is so full of mercy, he's not keeping track of every little thing that we did wrong. We tend to do that amongst ourselves more than God ever do. Because of his mercy. I got you. But I did, you did what? I did that. I visited a guy years ago on his deathbed. <clears throat> Old guy. And uh, he said, I did this. It was like 40, 50 years ago. He said, I'm not sure the Lord will forgive me. Uh, you know, a Christian guy. But that one thing, whatever it was he did, I don't think he ever read this verse these verses guess what I talked to him about Christ has paid it all it's okay just keep faith so isn't that the thing we we know so much more than what this psalmist knew about our sins being forgiven the judgment and the wrath of God poured out against sin was consumed on the cross at Calvary when Jesus said it is finished done powerful stuff so the psalmist is learning in the pain the lament the prayers he's learning about he has the right because of the forgiveness and the trust that he has in God that he can just wait which gets us to verse 5 I wait for the Lord my soul waits for the Lord I wait on his word I do hope in his word, I hope. 
The whole definition of the word hope has a, to do with a high level of expectation. The one who made the promise has to be able to perform, otherwise we don't have very much hope. We've been over this a hundred times, but it's such a strong word in the Bible because hope is tied to whose word in this verse? God's. The psalmist says, I can wait on Jehovah. I can wait on the ever-living one, the Lord in all capital letters, because his word, because of his word, I have hope. Is the Lord going to break his word? Not going to happen. We know so much more again. They're my sheep. They shall never perish. Who said that? The Lord Jesus said that. <laughs> yeah. Is he going to lie to us? His word, because of his word, we have hope that we will never perish. We have this hope. We have so much more hope than this guy has. This guy is simply hoping in one verse in the Old Testament in the Ten Commandments. You know, that just says, if I love the Lord, that he would show mercy. Exodus 20, verse 6, I think it is. But the Lord, the Lord said that if we love him, mercy. There it is. That's what he's talking about. Based on his word. Verse 6 says, My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. Now, why would anybody want to watch for the morning? Well, it's November 15th. That's why. Come on, it's Michigan. It's a state holiday, I think. Deer hunting. Actually, October 1st opens for the bow hunters, but... That's just because they want to get all the bucks before the real men go out with their guns. But just saying. <clears throat> we watch for the morning. So you're, you're going on vacation tomorrow. Does anybody have trouble sleeping the night before a big event? I do sometimes. You get all excited and worked up and set pre-alarm clocks because you know one of them's not going to work. We have this level of expectation about the sunrise, about the morning coming on. And we wait with great expectation, anticipation, with, you know, giddy joy, whatever. But, man, when the sun comes up, it's going to be Ken's birthday. And my birthday, I'm taking Dale for eye surgery. So that really means a lot to me, and I'm grateful to be able to do it on my birthday with a free heart and goodwill without lament or sorrow or I'll expect a cake on Friday now you see the waiting for the morning we're looking forward to this anticipation this, this thing whatever it is and so the psalmist he's waiting on the Lord to do what? I mean, I get what he's saying. He's waiting on the Lord. But to do what? He doesn't really say, does he? 
Well, maybe he's hoping that the deep stuff will be turned around or it won't be so deep anymore, like the pain or whatever caused the lament that caused the prayer that caused him to learn all of these things. Maybe maybe that's what he's waiting for, is for uh, conditions to change, for reality to be something other than my personal experience for the last six months. Maybe we're just expecting that Lord is going to fix everything, you know, play the country record in reverse so we get everything back, you know, or whatever. I mean, somehow fix all my stuff because my stuff is not working the way I want it to work. But he doesn't say any of that. It's just not there. He says, my soul is just happy to wait. Why? Because I have hope. Why? Because the Lord gave his word. On what? The mercy. Okay. That's all? So far, that's all it says. What if you don't get your stuff back, mister? Whatever. It's only stuff. But you lost everything in that last uh, financial slide back there. Eh, it's just money. But, but, yeah, whatever. Better days are coming. Even so, Lord Jesus, bring us home. Let's get out of here. You know? I mean, that's, that's verse 6. I'm waiting on the Lord. This guy has such a high level of expectation and anticipation. I read in a book this week, I think it's a book Don gave me to read about Tozer, but it said that they had high levels of expectation with no agenda. Isn't that cool? That's the only thing I got out of the book so far, Don. Sorry. But it's powerful when you think about it to be able to expect from God something but have no agenda for him to meet. In order for me to really love you, trust you, follow, serve, you better do this, this, and this, and in the order I specify. Otherwise, I'm all done being Christian with you, which is the way some people design their personal religion to make God serve their needs instead of them figuring out who he is. This isn't about religion. It's about relationship with the Lord God Almighty. And it's about Having this level of expectations and trust and confidence with no agenda whatsoever. What did Jesus say? Give without expecting anything in return. No agenda. Give them your coat. Don't worry about it. Consider the lilies. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. No agenda. Just trust me. I'll get you home. Just trust me. But I got all this pain, and this problem, and this crying, and the prayers. Yeah, but in that, are we learning these things about, you know, forgiveness, and trust, and hope, and waiting? You know, another thing about the morning, it's a do-over. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. It's a fresh start. You know, Jesus covered that himself when he said, sufficient unto the day is the evil of the day. Let's start over. It's a new day. Just keep going. Get up. Give thanks. Keep going. Last two verses to say something like, it almost sounds like praise. 
course, he was uh, Israelite, so it mentions Israel. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. For the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him there is abundant redemption. Does that sound like praise or what? These are the things the guy has learned because of the pain, the lament, the prayer, and the time that has gone by, and the expectation of God just being real in his life, knowing that the mercy was there, that he had a standing. In verse 8, he shall redeem Israel, and then he did at the cross of Calvary. He paid for all their sins. Now, um, isn't it kind of odd that the depth that he referred to in verse 1 is not mentioned? What he's talking about here in the redemption isn't the reversal of all of his pain. He's talking about, my sins are forgiven. But I want the pain gone. I don't like crying out and lamenting and spending hours praying. Or So we have this presenting problem, and it causes us to have this cry to our God. And we in the New Testament know that God is our Father and Jesus our Savior. We're adopted as sons and children. We have this access. We can walk in boldly and talk to the God Almighty anywhere, anytime. Just because a guy drove out in front of you, don't talk to him. Talk to the Lord. It'll sound better. Talk to God. You know, and we learn and we learn and we learn and we learn. It's almost like the psalmist forgot the depth of his pain because he was happy to know that God's mercy, no matter what the struggle or how hard it is, he's like, it's all good. Because God is on the throne, his mercy is intact, and I'm just going to wait for the morning. New day coming. Oh, you guys want to come on up? We'll sing a song. We're going to skip the rest of it, Bryce. Redeemer, name of 
I just want to read something from the book of Jude toward the end of the book but it says now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen let's pray Lord we thank you for the day we thank you for our struggles. We thank you for all the hardships that we've been through. Lord, help us to see that in it all that you've been shepherding our hearts, and we're grateful. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.